1: Hey, it's Ari Mizel. Welcome to the Less Doing More Living Podcast. Nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a little known, extremely painful and seemingly incurable disease, which forced me to go down a long road of radical transformation so that I could reduce stress and win back a normal life for me and my family. While extremely painful, Crohn's was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to innovate and create the less doing more living system, which I used to govern my life. Then I was given the gift of starting to teach this system to other people, and over time I was able to help more and more people through a video course, this podcast, and the Less Doing More Living book. Now I have the privilege of working with some of the world's top business minds, including Dean Jackson, Joe Polish, Dave Asprey, and Jordan Harbinger, who have all decided to join me for the first annual Less Doing Live Summit that I'm holding in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. To get more information on the Less Doing Live Summit, you can go to the URL, lessdoinglive.com. Or you can also find links to the event on our main site, lessdoing.com. Now, enjoy today's podcast, and if you listen to the end of the show, I am going to give you more information on this event, as well as a way you can earn a free copy of my book, Less Doing, More Living. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 134, where we talk to Haley and Bill Staley of The Primal Palette. How are you doing,
0: Felix? Good, man. You know, I am getting super excited about one of the links that you put in here that I was checking out last night, and I know you mentioned this before, but I didn't get around to it. I'm getting really excited about Trello. Oh, yeah? Well, tell
1: yeah. me about it. What have you yeah. been using Trello for?
0: I haven't used it at all, but I'm just about to set it up, and I'm very excited about, about its potential. So, um, so that is something that I'll report about in on next time. Um, but yeah, but I have a number of, uh, well, I actually have at least, I have at least one question for you. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning it is because it's one of the links we've mentioned in the very recent podcast. How are you finding the Pacifica app? Uh, I
1: like it. I, I, I've, I like it a lot, actually. I've been using it for recording some thoughts, particularly, and oh, yeah? I'm noticing some patterns of positive and negative thoughts that that actually was, it's a, it's a form of tracking I've never done before. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't have, a, I don't think I have enough data yet to give sort of like a real good synopsis of how I've been using it. Uh, oh, no, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, sorry, what the, the outcome of that is, but it's definitely been interesting and it's nice to have that sort of outlet. So I like it. I like it so far. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Well, I mean, I'm getting started trying it out as well. Good. So, um, so it looks looks good, but I haven't really, I haven't, really, haven't properly started yet. So um, okay, well, so
1: let's let's get to some of the links I want to tell you about. One of them is called Speedify, and I'm using it right now, actually. Uh, so what Speedify is is it it's a PC or Mac app. And basically, what it does is it combines various internet sources or internet providing sources to give you a super fast connection. So what that means is it can it can combine Wi-Fi, uh, DSL or you know hardline, 3G and 4G, all of them. It can combine them into one super fast, super reliable connection. And where this becomes useful is, for example, if you're at an airport and maybe you have you know a Verizon mobile hotspot that you normally use, but there's also Wi-Fi at the airport. You can use both connections combined to have a much yeah. even faster and more reliable connection. It's
0: really cool. It is really clever. Um, I was really impressed with this, and I was wondering if there's a way that you could actually have it connect to like your home router, for example, and or have your. I mean, I'm, this. How does this work? Is this an app, or how does this work? Again? It's an app, yeah. It's an app for the uh, for the computer. For the computer. And so how does it actually, does it like tether to your phone or something?
1: Uh, no. How does I was that work So So like, like right confused? now, right now I have, uh, I'm at a co-working space, right? And I have a Ethernet connection plugged in and I'm also connected to the, work, to the, the, the Wi-Fi here. And it's combining oh, okay. the two connections. Oh, okay. Now, if I also had like a 4G hotspot, it could use that as well.
0: What your laptop could? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? how, how does your laptop connect to the 4G? It has well, like like if, like if no, like if
1: you get one of those Verizon
0: my like you know my Fire Oh, I see. Yeah, I so, see. It, so exactly. it's gonna, gonna
1: combine all of the possible sources.
0: Oh, I see. So so basically, this will um, this one just actually does it simultaneously. Is the difference? Yes. Exactly. Uh, I see because normally you have to select one. Right, I see. That's right. What so it's it's also. speedify, really, really cool. Yeah, um, awesome. The
1: next one is, uh, I feel like this is like an unusual recommendation for me, but I, I just really liked it. It's called You and Me Concierge, and basically oh, yeah. it's a it's a service that uh, I guess that they, they, you can book dates for you and and your significant other, um, and it yeah. but, but it recommends some really cool stuff. I mean, at least. Uh, the one I'm looking at right now is for New York and they have a, a build your own bloody Mary class or a couple's workshop at Brooklyn glass where you can learn how to blow glass. Uh, and a, what's another one here? A comedy show. Like, you know, there's some, some out of the ordinary, some not, but it's basically, they've gotten deals on things that you can buy as a couple. And there's, yeah. there's some really cool recommendations here. And I have to say like, sometimes it's nice to just sort of mix things up this way.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really clever idea to come up with some other inspiration for what to do. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you and me, concierge. Um, okay, and then the the uh, the next one is another barking up the wrong tree article. As I just love this guy, Eric Barker is just awesome. Um, so what this one is is seven secrets top athletes can teach you about being the best at anything. And by the way, this a lot of this made me think of the interview that we did with Todd Herman which was episode yeah. 123. And Todd is a performance coach that works with athletes, but not on anything physical. It's all about the mental game. It's really interesting stuff. But So one of the things that they said here was, um, don't follow instructions, learn like a baby. And it says, like, when did you learn the most? the most and learn the fastest? There's no debate, it's when you were a baby. So basically it's a process of implicit learning. And it says, we're often too yeah. focused on executing very specific steps so that we don't take the time to fumble around and make mistakes like when we were kids. And this makes me think particularly about the computer. And I, I don't know if oh, anybody yeah. has this experience. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have this experience with their parents, per se. But my mom, a lot of times, would call me with, like, a computer question. And it'd be like, you know, how do mm-hmm. I print this? Or, like, how do I do this? And, I'm, and, and I would often <laughs> say to her, like, mom, just just try. Like, click a button. You know, go to, like, guess. Yeah. Yeah. Play around with it, like, try to learn it, and you know it's like no, no, I'm, I don't want to mess something up. I don't want to like lose this. That's document.
0: A, there's a lot of lot of fear with um, about just making some mistake. Yeah, you
1: know, like, yeah, and and the thing is, is you know, and, then, and I think that's a good example. It's like, well, look, there's a button there that looks like a printer. Try it, and if it's wrong, then then call me. You know, and and like, how can we undo this? But it's like there's not, especially now with the way like cloud computing, and everything. There, there's not a lot of huge damage you can do if you stop right away. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, exactly. if you del- it's like almost anything that you delete. If you don't do anything else, you can undelete it. So yeah, it's, it's like nice. just try that. Exactly. You know, learn. It's, that's how you have to learn. So yeah. I thought that was, a, I thought that was a, that was a good point, uh, and of course, there's a lot of data, and a lot of analytics, and a lot of science that you can put into the things that we learn, but there's also this element of just sort of figuring it out. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. I
1: like that. I like that piece. Um, there's a, a company called Packable that I found, and basic service, but basically or essentially, they will create custom packaging, and you can get. There's uh, three kinds of packaging. So one is a mini box, which is three inches by two inches by one inch. Another one is. Uh, oh, actually, sorry, they have some other ones too now. But there's a bigger one that's nine and a half by seven three quarters and by four inches, and then they have an envelope too, and all of them have your logo printed on them. So it's very simple. It's it's you know it's like VistaPrint but for packaging and for boxes. So you can get your brand name, your website, your tagline, and uh, it's it's really cheap. It's like it, it like ninety five cents for a box. I think it's it's pretty good. So if wow, you, if you are cool. in yeah. the in, in, if you're in the product business or you need to send a bunch of stuff out and you want to keep your branding intact, this is this is a pretty cool company.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was really impressed that with you know anyone who's making like small products packaging you can make a.
1: Make a big impact, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one, this is <laughs> this is gonna piss some people off, I think, but it's called uh, it's from Five Thirty Eight Science, and and this is uh, what's his name, Nate Nate uh, Smith and Nate Parker. I forgot what the guy's name is now, actually, <laughs> but he he's the the famous guy who basically predicts all the the how the candidates are gonna do for all the different elections and stuff, and he's just he's, oh yeah. Yeah, Nate Silver. Sorry. So he uses enormous amounts of data, basically, to make these predictions, and he's typically right. Uh, but so his blog deals with a lot of data stuff in general. And the the title of the article is "It's hard to know where gluten sensitivity stops and the placebo effect begins." Now yeah. I've said this on the podcast before. I am not gluten free. Uh, I don't go out of my way to eat like loaves of bread per day. But I'm not. I'm not gluten free. I don't avoid gluten. And uh, as with the majority of the population. I don't actually have a an issue with gluten per se. I think that a lot of gluten and a lot of genetically modified products and a lot of the stuff that goes along with gluten is not mm-hmm. good for you and can definitely lead to some problems such as leaky gut and brain fog and all sorts of other issues. But singling out gluten and automatically... Thinking that you have to be gluten free is, I think, a bad idea. And furthermore, a lot of the people that go gluten free end up buying things that are labeled gluten free, and those are just a whole bunch of other crap that have nothing to do with food anyway. Right, so, right. but yeah. So basically, what I was saying is, if you don't have, and by the way, a true gluten allergy where you cannot process gluten and it can actually have life-threatening effects is called celiac disease, and uh, something okay. something like uh, I think, what was it? of the population has celiac disease. So what they're saying is, if you don't have celiac or a wheat allergy and are experiencing distressing gastrointestinal symptoms after eating gluten, lack of satisfaction, such as lack of satisfaction with your stool consistency, there is something like a one in thirty chance that the gluten is potentially responsible. If you cut out gluten and it makes you feel great, good, although it may all be in your head. And if you're cutting out gluten for any other reason. All that will happen is you'll feel the same, but without the pleasure of bread that tastes like bread. So, and again, there's other issues there, like having, you know, processed white bread that has, it's just, you know, pure carbs. It's a lot, usually, there's sugar. There's all sorts of other things. So the point Mm -hmm. of this is I'm not, and I'm not saying like, oh, gluten's fine. Everyone go eat gluten. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you can't single out gluten automatically without actually getting tested and doing some further like investigation to see if that's really your issue. And the truth is, is when a lot of people cut out gluten, they're cutting out processed carbs. So yeah, you're going to feel better.
0: I see. Yeah.
1: So it's just a really it was a really interesting look at the data uh, and and uh, several studies actually. So if you want to get, dig into the studies a little bit more, then I would say check it out. So anyway, I know this is definitely yeah. some people who are yeah. free listening to the podcast, and I'm sorry if that upset you, but just look at the data.
0: Well, they might be happy to know that, you know, they don't have to, but, um, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, so there is an article on Mother Nature Network called Seven Cultural Concepts We Don't Have in the U.S. And I liked all of them, actually, but one of them is very relevant to us doing it. It's called Kaizen. And Kaizen is a Mm -hmm. Japanese concept that basically means continuous improvement. So this is the idea yeah. of optimizing everything we do. But what I like about Kaizen is that this is not like a, it's not like an annual review. It's not a quarterly process. This is a constant, constant process. And they were saying that in Japanese companies like Toyota and Canon, a total of 60 to 70 suggestions per employee per year are written down, shared, and implemented. That's an amazing yeah. thing. That means everybody from the CEO to the janitors are constantly coming up with ways to improve the way they work, the way that your business works, and the way that everybody works together.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I actually, studied this in depth in our business management course, which was actually more about, significantly more about management than business. And um, yes, this Japanese system of kaizen um, was, uh, was you know, one of the most valuable management tools. I would say. And we went and visited the Komatsu factory, which was nearby us. And sure enough, there were the um, you know the local workers saying oh, they're they're always you know, making suggestions, and they're actually implemented. And um, they seem very sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very um, you know fulfilled employees.
1: Yeah, I uh, well, they, they, it you know it gives them a vested interest, basically.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So cool, um, and it's interesting that you that you studied that. Actually, I didn't even study Kaizen. I went to to you know like a business school. So,
0: well, it was this was more. I mean, the course I did was more really sociology than business. To be honest, even though it was called business management, they really should have called it like management in organizations you know, uh, from a philo- social philosophical perspective. Oh, uh, okay. With a little bit of business, with a little little bit of corporate. Business tagged on the side, but anyway, there we go. Gotcha. Um, Yeah.
1: Okay. So there's an article on Lifehacker, and it's all about Trello. So Trello is, you know, I was
0: one I was getting so excited about. Right.
1: So so people are, you know, I'm always I'm very anti to do list, which is true. And Trello can definitely be a to do list app, but that's not what I like it for. Basically, it's it's a kanban. Uh, sort of layout, so we've talked about this before with, uh, we talked about uh, what was it, Kanbanote, you know, which is the Evernote version of kan- Kanban, and Kanban is basically where you're showing these, the things that you have to do sort of in these horizontal and vertical alignments, so you have
2: <laughs> columns
1: of things, and there, you know, can be, it can be a checklist, it can be, it could be a to-do list technically, but when people ask me for, okay, you know, like, they're like, okay, I know that you don't like to do list, but you know, I have a big team. What should I use for project management? I, I usually recommend Trello. And the reason I like it is that it, it really encourages you to create checklists, which is something that I'm a big fan of, obviously, because I want people to create the most effective processes for doing the things that they do. So with Trello, you can basically, you can do anything in terms of planning. And what they show here is how, in this article a lot of different ways. So you can do it for managing projects, of course. So you could have, you know, the left column let's let's say you're you're a real estate broker, okay? So maybe the first list is all the deals that you're interested in or looking at. The second one is deals that you're working on. The third one is deals that have recently closed. Yada 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 so on and so forth. That would be a really good way to do project management. Uh, they recommend yeah. you, you can use it to plan your weeks and daily lists. So each each card could be a different day of the week. And then in each one of those you could say that those are the things that you want to do on those days. You can yeah. uh, integrate it with the Kanban method, as you said, to manage team projects. You can plan an entire vacation. So, you know, one card could be all the places you want to visit. The next one could be all of the uh, the dinner, the, the reservations for dinner, or something that you need to make, and all the hotel information. You can organize it that way. A home improvement project, so you can orga- break it down by room, maybe, and have pictures and images. You know, all sorts of documents and things. Yeah. And it's also a group. It's a group app, so you can have your whole team on it, your whole family on it, whatever you want, you can communicate with them. It plugs in with IFTTT. Fancy Hands has a plug in with it, so you can assign tasks directly to a Fancy Hands assistant with, from within Trello. It's just it's amazing. And you really can just you can go very deep on it and use it for so many things. If it if it involves planning, you can use Trello.
0: Yeah. I, I really like the just the visual layout of it, the way you could see um see everything and i want to use it for scheduling um, it, it, it's it's similar to a calendar uh, or rather you could set it up in a similar way to the calendar but it's not as uh, it's not as overwhelming as a calendar um, and that's one of the things i'm looking forward to using it for
1: yeah it's it's just it's absolutely fantastic and so Trello is great to begin with but this article on lifehacker lays out lays out just some really excellent ways of using it yeah so yeah uh, yeah okay so then that's it that's all I have you have a couple more things alright
0: I've got a few more things yeah so there's this um, there's this app you can um, which is uh, for your computer for like a you know Mac or PC Mac or, or Windows and it is for stopping all of the distractions such as social media Blocking those temporarily while you're working, and it's called Get Cold Turkey, and it it will you know you can set a timer, and um, there's a free version, and there is a um, there is a pay versions as well. Um, actually, there there's not a Mac version, but the Mac version is called self-control and the Windows version is called cold turkey so that looks rather cool Uh, another thing that I have started to use is uh, this app called screenshots and what it does is when I use screenshots and especially my wife does a lot to uh, on her phone to um, to get something, to, to, to take a photo of something so you don't want to use it, instead of having to like save a web page. Um, it's like a really reliable way to to store something in your phone without worrying about needing a data connection um, when you need it, such as someone's address that you're going to for dinner that night or something. Um, and this, this app will organise it via the application it was done in. And, oh, that's um, a good idea. And it's, it's rather useful because because I have so many screenshots on the phone. Uh, the other thing is the Fluid Stance Level Board, which is for a for people using a standing desk. Now what this does is it's basically like a, it's a bit like a, one of those, sort of a skateboard without wheels, um, and on the, the bottom is curved. So it sort of takes your standing desk and um, and it gives your sort of your legs even more of a workout and it's um, I just think it's a really cool idea to try out for standing desks and it looks really it looks really cool. Um, I'm not sure how much it is, but worth checking out if you're in using a sta- standing desk.
1: yeah, I mean you know as, whatever gets you moving throughout the day is a great. I'm all for it. I think this is actually pretty fun. Yeah. Plus, you really—the thing is, just standing—we talked about this—but just standing at a desk is not good. You really do need to be moving throughout the other day. And standing on one leg, in general, is really good for you in terms of developing your balance. Oh, uh, really? Not yeah. just in your muscles, but your 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 neurology as well.
0: Oh, I see. Oh, that's cool. cool. So,
1: yeah. All right. Well, thanks for, awesome. thanks for sharing that, Felix. And thanks everyone for listening in. The primal palette is coming up and you, these, the recipes that they've created are just fantastic. Their newest book, Make It Paleo 2 is awesome. It's so awesome. And uh, we, it's, uh, this, this is one of those interviews that makes you hungry. So enjoy and, uh, thanks for everybody for listening.
0: Thanks so again.
3: And now for feature interview.
1: So now I'm speaking with Bill and Haley Staley, and they are the founders and creators of the Primal Palette. So, hi guys. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Good. It's always fun interviewing multiple people. Actually, I, I, I like the uh, the sort of dynamic that's created. So, thank you both for making the time to talk to me. And. Okay. Let's talk about Primal Palette. How did how did it come up actually before I even ask you that, if anyone goes to Primal Palette right now, there the picture that comes up is Paleo Pizza. Now that alone I think is a selling point. <laughs> <laughs> pizza is one of those like is like the coveted holy grail in uh in in the paleo world and Mark Sisson even has his, his paleo pizza competition, I think, every year. So uh you guys got me already. So talk about Primal Palette.
2: Yeah, so um Right after we started dating, Haley, Haley was already doing paleo when we met in uh, early 2010. And, uh, you know, I was interested in health and wellness. I was like, lifting. I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was a gym rat, but I was, you know, interested in, you know, being fit. And she was doing CrossFit and doing paleo. So, um, we sort of adopted this thing together where we started a blog and, um, you know, it just started off where we were posting... Recipes and you know really thought that we were making our friends jealous with the the stuff that we were eating and posting. Um, but when we when we started a blog, it really became this you know this fledgling little business where we we loved what we were doing. We took it really seriously. We were posting two new recipes a week, um, some weeks even more than that. And uh, so that was the prime the birth of Primal Palate. And we originally called it the Food Lovers Primal Palette, but as time went on, we realized that people were just referring to us as Primal Palette. So that, that name sort of just stuck, and we pared it down to just that. Okay. So,
1: sorry. You have a number of books that have come out, and i have actually we, – we own a couple of them, and I, I really like
2: Gather. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah, we love that book. It was so fun to make that one. Well,
1: so let's talk about that for a second because – so, so if, for those who haven't seen this, and we're going to link to all the books in the show notes, but Gather is The Art of Paleo Entertaining right so i i feel like with any any i don't even want to call it diet actually but because it's it's more of a lifestyle i feel like paleo is and but with a lot of diets i feel like you end up how do, how do i put this like you sort of get to the end result no matter how you can you know so it, like one of my issues with vegan food for instance is yes okay it doesn't have any meat in it or any butter but it's basically like processed soy so yes it's still vegan but you know it's not exactly what I would call healthy. And yeah. I, I think that there's a, a an issue that some people get into with things like Paleo too, where it's like, oh well, I'll just eat a whole bunch of meat and that'll be that. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I think that you you guys have a really good approach to it, but specifically talking about entertaining while using what is co- what is known as a diet, I, I think it's a really cool approach. So why don't you talk about how that one came about?
3: Yeah, so um we have always really liked having friends over for meals and sort of entertaining and um we do a lot of family we both have pretty large families so we often do big family dinners and we had started our when we started our blog we really wanted to show people that if we could do it you could do it because we we, we basically started eating this way together as a brand new couple and um, when we had seen other couples start dating, all of their sort of health and wellness goals kind of went out the window when they kind of got cozy in a relationship. So we really wanted health and wellness to be sort of the focus of our relationship. And um, so we sort of carried on that sort of mindset with gather is that we wanted to show people that, you know, you don't have to view Thanksgiving as this Huge cheat day where you just eat five slices of pumpkin pie and and <laughs> six, six rolls and say you know the heck with it like I, it's Thanksgiving I'm just gonna go all out and then you feel and then blame
1: know. the tryptophan <sighs> right yeah, exactly
3: <laughs> so um so our goal really with that book was to show people that you know you can have Thanksgiving and make it pretty paleo or you can have a birthday party and still stay on track and with that book we also wanted to show people that as a lifestyle you can enjoy things that are like birthday cakes and and pies on holidays and um all sorts of different things that really aren't strict strict paleo but they're the things that sort of keep you from going crazy for the rest of your life and you know our our viewpoint is just that People are going to eat a cookie whether you give them a healthy option or not. So either give them an option where it's not as bad, or they're just going to go straight for the Oreos. So, um, so that's sort of our our view on paleo treats, and we've really tried to include that with Gather and just show people that just because you're not being Totally strict all of the time. You can still stick with a grain free diet and enjoy holidays and special occasions. And most importantly, have your friends and family who maybe don't eat paleo ever enjoy some of the things that you're going to make too.
1: So you actually hit so many points there that I'd want to talk about. But I I like that you know idea that they're going to eat it no matter what. So you might as well provide a healthy option. I think that's a very very good point. Now what is one of the things that you find as far as desserts specifically, like what's one of the desserts that you think that you make or that is one of the recipes where people just never like, they don't even question it. It's not even, they can't tell the difference. (laughs)
3: Um, (laughs) Probably, um, probably, what do you think our cookies?
2: Our cookies are really good. Um, the one that I was actually going to say is the carrot cake from make it paleo. Ah. I mean, that's, That's a really popular recipe that we've had for years, um, and there's there's many I mean we we always try and make any recipe as good as it could be, you know whether it contained you know traditional like ingredients or not so
3: yeah i do I do the baking in the house and it's something that I really love i I specifically really love piping frosting like either on a cake or cupcakes. It's one of my favorite things to do um and so that's really fun for me um and we have a lot of we have a lot of desserts that have definitely passed with um with
2: skeptics, skeptics.
3: <laughs> I usually say that if it, if it's kid approved then you know it's really good yeah. so our <laughs> Our um our coffee cake from Gather is so that that's in the book because Bill's dad always made made coffee cake on Christmas morning and we took his sour cream coffee cake recipe and made it grain free for the book and um. When we photographed that spread, we were at a friend's, we photographed at a family friend's house and they have four little kids and their two boys kept asking for more slices of the coffee cake. (laughs) So I knew that that was a good recipe. And then we also have a couple other family taste testers and they'll say to us, you can't even tell that this doesn't have white flour in it. So, um, so I think the coffee cake is a pretty good one where people wouldn't really notice. And our chocolate (laughs) chip, Our chocolate chip cookies are also, which are now being made um, as a slice and bake, paleo and vegan cookie dough by Capello's, um, and that's another one where people are like, "I gave these to a friend and they didn't even know that you know they were made without grains." So,
1: yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And so let, let me ask you about grains for a second because you did mention you know not absolutely perfectly strictly paleo on some things, but I'm curious. If you if you guys feel generally that you know there's just no there's no place for dairy or grains in a healthy diet,
3: um, I think it really depends on the person. I think you know what Bill and I have learned through this journey is just that there's not really a one size fits all approach with any sort of eating. Um, so I definitely think that you know some gluten free grains. And some dairy have their place and there's a, plenty of people out there who can thrive on those things um, it really just depends on you know, your specific health conditions and your personal goals and sort of what you're looking to accomplish but um, we don't have any issues with like white rice or grass fed dairy um, we just sort of tell people like anything with this ahead. with like anything with this eating you just want the best quality possible.
1: So. No, and I'm, and I'm glad you said that because it's it's something that frustrates me sometimes. Where I really do think that there are certain grains that really do have important health benefits, and and you know white rice is there's nothing wrong with white rice. Or, sort of as far as I'm concerned, and sushi is great. Um, and, and and dairy is another one. You know, if you don't have an issue with dairy, then I don't think that it's something that should be eliminated from the diet. So, no, I'm just. It was something I wanted to ask about. Another thing that I want to ask about, and I always ask people about this who are cooking healthy food uh, of any kind. Uh, the texture, obviously, is a thing that goes into food as well. It's not just taste, of course. And one of the textures that I particularly crave and really love is crunch. Right? Yeah. And it's something that is difficult to find in a lot of these kinds of diets. So and I know I, I you know, I, obviously, as I said, I've had, I have a couple of your books and I, I know that there's some really great recipes that answer my questions. So I'm always being rhetorical. But let's talk about crunch for a sec, you know, like the kind of crunch you get from popcorn, for instance, or that, you know, or crunch. You know, people really like crunch and I'm one of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're right on. That's that's definitely one of the biggest challenges because a lot of the ingredients that make crunch, you know, sort of like these starchy ingredients, they're they're ingredients that aren't that favored by a paleo lifestyle, so it's it's tricky.
3: Yeah. The Um, other thing I feel like, you know, when when you're really into food, I know that for me personally, I've overeaten something not because it tastes good, but because I like the texture so much. So texture is really a really huge component to great food. Um, One of the things that we're really into, and we had this for breakfast this morning, um, which is sort of a great combination of textures, is we had what we usually do for breakfast these days is we'll do um, sort of sweet potato-like skillet hash browns, and they're... um, They're diced, so they're really small. And we use um, the Japanese sweet potatoes, which are, they have like a purpley skin, but they're white on the inside. Um, And I think any white-colored sweet potato has a much milder flavor. It's not as actually sweet-tasting as orange or Uh like like yams. And um, so we dice them, and they Actually, get really crispy on the outside, and they have a really great crunch to them. And then we'll do sautéed, um, sh- like shredded Brussels sprouts or cabbage, and then fried eggs. And that's a really neat te- mixture of textures, where you do get some crunch in. Bill really likes making um, sweet potato chips himself. I love making. Oh yeah. I love making kale chips. Um, so those are some other ways where you can get some crunch in. Of course, raw vegetables, but that's not super fun all the um let's go then, <laughs> wait let's go
2: back to those potato chips okay <laughs> that's a really good recipe and I'm I'm such like the food geek in the house like Haley's super good at baking I'm pretty good at other types of cooking but sometimes I'll get entrenched in a recipe and I'll be like you know I, I really like I want to figure this out and make it perfect he so likes
3: food projects. yeah food uh-huh.
2: projects we actually have a whole chapter of food projects in our, our new book, which comes out um, in, in two weeks actually. But um, this one isn't in the book, but it's on our blog and it's really good. I was, I was hacking this recipe in November. It's for making perfect like sweet potato chips. And I don't take saying that lightly. I don't apply that broadly to a bunch of recipes, but I think they're perfect. And what I did is it's just, it's just thinly sliced sweet potatoes. I actually use the deli slicer to slice the potatoes, but if you have good, knife skills you can get them as thin as you need to and then i found that the perfect like the optimal temperature for frying them and i i used coconut oil just because it was really a mild flavor um but you can use any saturated fat i guess um but i found that the like the perfect temperature was between 270 and 280 fahrenheit for the oil and it just it yields the most perfect sweet potato chips you've ever had they're so great they're and, really, and they're crunchy really,
3: they're really awesome yeah
2: they're <laughs> It's it's a little bit of trouble because you have to sit there and sort of babysit them while you're frying them. But it's if you strive for something that's crunchy in your diet, this is a nice treat. They're really good.
3: Yeah, and then if you want something really, really, um, sort of treat like we we put. Um, Ginger snaps on our website for the holidays, and they're the snappiest ginger snaps you'll ever have. Um, so, if you want a treat with some crunch, those are those are awesome.
1: Well, those are those are great examples, actually. So, thank you. And now, I'm, I might want to have to enter the, I might have to end the interview early and go make something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, what what do you? So, okay, so Bill is into food projects. Like, are you working on anything right now? That's pretty cool.
2: No, you know, I mean, really just a lot of our time is occupied with with being consumed with this new book release. Um, I know the, the project that I have on the horizon that has to deal with food projects is I'm going to be doing a video series with my good friend, Sean. Um, he uh, His blog is The Pastured Kitchen. And we're going to do this video series where we go back and forth and we each tackle the same type of food project but we do it in our own way so i think we might be kicking that off soon and um we have a recipe for bacon in our new book home curing your own bacon and i think that we might just go there first because everybody oh um, almost everybody, loves bacon not everybody but almost everybody <laughs> yeah
3: the one the one project that bill really wanted to get right for the book was ginger beer he was really into oh. Trying to make some ginger beer. So that was cool.
2: Because I love Moscow mules in the summer. I love having, you know, ginger beer with a little splash of vodka. And, you know, we have good options for vodka, too. There's Three Hunters, which is distilled from grapes and blueberries. No affiliation, of course. Um, and we have a local distillery here that makes really high-quality potato vodka. So, um, anyway, I, just, I love making Moscow mules and figuring out how to make ginger beer, which is a central component of it, was really important to me.
1: And what are you sweetening it with?
2: So it's sort of like any other fermentation where you have to feed the culture. Now ginger beer is lightly fermented; you only ferment it for one to two days. Um, you can use a variety of sugars, but the stuff that works best is basically like granulated cane sugar. So it's really, you know, it's really like a food for the yeast that you put in it, versus like just for sweetening. So I don't know. Fermentations are sort of a different beast. You know, You sometimes you just have to use sugar, but it's not something that we drink every day. So I don't really, I don't lose sleep over that either.
1: No. And there's also so many benefits to consuming real ginger anyway. So.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's such a great, you know, it's, we have ginger almost daily, like fresh ginger. We always have these huge. You know, knuckles of ginger here, and, and we, you know, we put it in juice, we put it in dishes, you know, all sorts of stuff. It's really good for you. So
1: let's talk about the new book, okay? So what's what what's different about this book? Why are you excited about it? What and, and it's going to be releasing in February seventeenth, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: February seventeenth. So the really cool thing about this book is uh, we brought my sister along to co-author the book with us. And my sister is a trained sushi chef. She was the only female sushi wow. chef. Yeah, she was the only um, she was the only female sushi chef in Pittsburgh for a little while. And she is just such a rock star at making sushi. She makes the best sushi I have ever had in my entire life. And um, she's just a fantastic cook. And she's also, I think, from her training in in sushi, she's also a really great food stylist. And so. We make a paleo too, took us about a year to make. And, um, my sister came over to our house. We made the book out of our home and she came over several days a week, um, for many months. And we made this book with her and it was just such a really, it was such a cool experience to, um, work on a cookbook with my sister. One, because you know, it's my sister. And two, we learned so much from her because, she has restaurant cooking experience and then she also got to learn stuff from us because we have cookbook making experience so um so it was a really neat collaboration and we all ended the project with a new skill set and just a a different view on food and food photography in general so and she really brought some great recipes to the book um one of them in particular, which is, I think we can all say is our favorite recipe in the book is steamed dumplings. And I told her that just was not going to be possible. You cannot make <laughs> paleo steamed dumplings. And she was like, no, we're going to do it. So I actually came up with the dough for the dumplings and she did the rest. And, um, it really took me back to my childhood when we'd order Chinese food and we'd get the steamed dumplings It everything from, the texture to the flavor to the sauce, like it was so, so similar to what you get from the store. So, so like
2: shrimp, shrimp, shrimp,
3: shrimp,
2: I. yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever had that one. It, no. it, they're like dumplings. They're pork yeah. dumplings. Yeah. Oh, okay, they're pork
1: dumplings. Sorry. So. Yeah. uh <laughs> Well, I mean, that sounds that sounds amazing. That's really cool. It's, it's also uh, it is it's very cool and it's great. And then the other side of this, you can you have to wonder, like, why would anybody not cook this way? You know, right. if you can if you can achieve these flavors and I guess the mouthfeel by doing it this way it, it, and the way and I've seen, you know, the way you guys present recipes, it's very straightforward. So it, it, it has to make you wonder, do you, do you find yourselves like uh, converting a lot of people?
2: You know, we don't we don't like push it on family members or anything. It's one of those things where it's more like we just sort of lead by example. Like, hey, you know, you know, we're eating really healthy, and it's easy and fun, and we, we eat great food. And you know, if you ever have any questions, you can ask them. But um, I and I think that's I think that works really well for most people that are paleo. I, I I'm, the hard sell, you know, I nobody's ever hard sold me on something like, oh, oh you know, be vegan, don't eat this, don't eat that. It's like, no, I. I'd rather see somebody else, you know, succeeding and just (laughs) ask them questions.
3: The only people we really try and hard sell it to are like, um, with my sister, she has Lyme, Lyme disease and I really sort of pushed her to go at least gluten free and, and she did it. And now she's, she's pretty paleo and it's really helped her condition. Um, and then Bill's mom has arthritis and she's been pretty paleo for um, pretty much as long as we've started our blog and she has so much more of her health back which is awesome so she really has so much more strength in her hands and she's really into gardening and she can she, she always tells us like i did so much work in the garden and it's all because of this way i'm eating and i'm so grateful and it's just really awesome to hear she goes paleo baby (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome
1: <laughs> Okay, so, so the last question that I always like to ask on these interviews is, is What are your top three tips for people To be more effective And you can interpret that however you like And since there are two of you I'm going to reco- push you each to give me three <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Tips for being more effective like More being... effective at, at, whatever, at, at life, at health, at business At marriage, anything okay. you want Be okay. more
2: effective
3: be more Being
2: more effective boils down to me getting good sleep. Uh, and I we say this often to each other that a, a good day never follows a bad night of sleep. So I we put a very high priority on getting eight hours, whether it's from midnight to 8 a.m., whether it's from 10 to 6, like we try and get eight hours, even if we go to bed at one, like we stay in bed till nine. So I, I really am a strong propon- proponent of getting good sleep. Um let's see, being more effective at things. I I really believe that studying like a craft or something like whether it's food photography or for me, I love, um, automobile racing. I actually do autocross in the summer. I just feel like some sort of study and focus is really important. You know, really dedicating yourself to something and reading about it and immersing yourself. That's one way to be effective. Um, and the third one, which is sort of a mushy one, is is come from a place of sincerity and love. I just I feel like if you want to be effective in life, you can't carry around negative baggage, you can't be, you know, talking trash or something. You just you have to live your life for you. You have to operate from a place of being sincere and kind. And I, I feel like as 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 the old adage goes, you get more um, bees with Wait, how's it go? You get more get more with honey than vinegar. Get yeah, more bees. You drink more flies with honey than vinegar. That's it. That's the one I'm trying to say. I, and I, I believe it too. I feel like if you go through life being kind to other people, you get a lot in return. And we, you know, we we both strongly believe in that. That being kind is a good thing.
3: Yeah. Okay, well,
1: so- Haley, can you do three more?
3: <laughs> I think so. So for mine, um. I would say the first one would be find a way to unplug a little bit. And that's something that's particularly hard for us because our business is pretty much run through social media. So one of the things that we do is we leave our cell phones out of the bedroom at night. And um, we've been trying to turn off or step away from things like Instagram and Facebook and email, um, you know, earlier in the evening and sort of have like a unwind time before bedtime. Um, And I also think it's really important to start your day not looking at your phone first thing in the morning. So I really think finding a way to step away from, um, you know, this electronic world that we live in is really important. Um, And then sort of an extension of that is, to find a way to take care of your emotional health. Um, I think, you know, all of us living in this world with phones in our faces and, you know, computers in front of us all of the time, you don't really realize the amount of stress that that puts on your body. And I really think that it does Um, without realizing it. It just sort of puts you in a hypersensitive state. Um, You know, who posted what on Instagram? Instagram, what's going on like i have to check everything and, or and email yeah be, able just be in the know with everything and i think you know however it works for you whether it's you know dedicated um meditation or using yoga or going for walks or you know planting working in your garden or you know just exercise in general you know whatever you can do to sort of get yourself in a meditative state a little bit each day, I feel like is really important for being more effective. It's just going to help your life so much in general. And then, um, the last one, which is something that's important to me too, is just eat lots of green vegetables or colorful vegetables. We've <laughs> been something that we've started doing this year is, is juicing. We bought a juicer and, um, we do green juice a couple times a week as as much as we can, and it's it just really it makes me feel really good and helps give me energy and and just feel ready for the day. So that's that's those are my three things.
2: An important paleo distinction there is that we do that in addition to eating a lot of vegetables all the time too. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in place and, of anything. It's in an pro- addition and
3: protein. We don't <laughs> we don't replace meals with green juice. Of <laughs> course, <laughs>
1: well. Bill and Haley, thank you so much for your time. That was really uh, delicious interview, and uh, we'll have links to everything in the show notes. But particularly, we wanna we wanna focus on the new book. Um, so, again, thanks. And uh, just tell people where they can find out more. Tell them the URL.
2: Sure. You can find us on the web at primalpalette.com. That's that's our hub. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Well, thanks, guys.
3: Thank you. All right.
2: Thank you. It was fun.
1: Hey, it's Ari again. Thanks for listening to today's show. As I promised at the beginning of the show, I am going to tell you more about the Less Doing Live event in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. Then I will tell you how you can earn a free copy of the Less Doing More Living book. Less Doing Live is an event I am putting on with Business Research Group in New York City. We have designed this event to give you and a small group of Less Doing Fanatics a personal, quality experience. We are limiting this event to 150 participants in Manhattan to make sure that I get a chance to meet and hang out with every one of you. Now here's why this event is different. You see, most business conferences are just a series of speeches on a stage where smart speakers get up and give you tons of great information. In fact, it's usually so much that you don't know what to do with it all. But at less doing, our community is all about taking action. So I have designed this event to make you take action. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I've designed this event to make sure you do take action. Because the only way to make big changes in your life is to invest in yourself. And that's not only an investment of your money, because you can always earn more of that, but rather an investment of your time, which is something so precious, because you can never get it back. So at this event, we're not just going to talk. On the first morning, Dave Asprey and I are going to share with you the latest cutting-edge tips on how to hack your productivity, and biohack your body. But then that afternoon, it's going to get really exciting when we break down into small groups and get you into workshops to solve your biggest problems in productivity. What are the workshops going to be? They'll be designed to help you tackle the fundamental problems that stop 99% of the world from realizing their full potential. Getting your email down to inbox zero and mastering your communications with the world, or a scheduling class where you can learn how to automate your schedule to the point where you will have a calendar working for you. Or an outsourcing class where you can learn how to get rid of 95% of the things that you shouldn't be doing on a daily basis. We're also going to have a biohacking class that's going to include nutrition and help you master your body and your life. Which one of these classes should you attend? Well, that's where my less doing certified coaches come in. Before we even let you get to the event, you have to speak to one of our coaches so that we can talk to you and see if the event is right for you. That way we can make sure that we truly help you. So to get to the event, you just need to enter your email and then register to speak to one of our less doing certified coaches in a free 45 minute coaching call where you will learn the one area of your life that you need the most help with and will get the most impact out of now as a special gift to you for joining this free coaching call. I want to recognize your commitment to your productivity by giving you a free copy of the book, less doing more living.
0: Thanks for listening.